glad you're with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. I want to talk about a common ripoff today in just a second. Coming up later, everybody says they have the lowest prices. But now there's not one but two studies showing where you're going to save the most money buying your groceries, and it's not even a fair fight. So I want to tell you about something that is a big deal right now with ad agencies, PR firms, and marketers. And you've got to understand how this thing's playing. There are what are known as influencers and a new term in the ad agency business, nano-influencers, where companies realize, and the ad agencies and marketing and PR especially realize, that traditional advertising is not as effective with some parts of our population as with others. So they're looking for ways, how do you reach people? How do you move the needle where you get somebody to try a new product or to buy one they used to buy they're not buying anymore? And the influencers have become ultra-important through social media, people that follow them on Instagram or whatever. And so in the ad agency business, the influencers are well-known. That would be, think about the people who have like a million followers out there. Uh, And that would be, we don't, we have that, but we don't do it for commercial purposes, obviously. But a lot of uh, celebrities, pseudo-celebrities have that, Kardashians, were the second generation following Paris Hilton, Nicole Richie, go back in time. And so these are people who've created their own industry based on themselves. And they are able to leverage that to make a lot of money as a brand influencer. But now there are so many people out there who don't have the stature or following of someone like that, but still are very influential on their audience. Could be a podcaster, could be somebody who is a smaller presence in, uh, in music or in public culture, anything like that. And those are what they call the nanos for short. And so these people are all being fed free product or money to be breathless about something. And their followers are loyal enough, they don't really think through that they may be being manipulated. So I want you to know that when you see something on social media or from somebody you follow and they're raving about this, that, or the other, remember, it's possible that recommendation is genuine, but often it's how they're earning a living at their level of celebrity they have. David's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, David. Hi, Clark. David, you're going on a trip. Well, I I travel a lot for business, so I'm not too concerned about, you know, traveling by myself. But in this case, I'm traveling with other people. And um, one of them is an elderly person. So I was concerned about um, if I should look into buying some extra uh, insurance that's offered through the airlines. So I would never buy the insurance that an airline offers. It's not well-priced. And 
if you're going to buy trip insurance, you're talking about for a medevac needing to cancel because of a medical condition, that kind of thing? No, what mainly interested me is the emergency medical and emergency medical transportation. We're traveling to Europe. Okay. And so, you know, anytime you buy a flight online, you see that extra right. insurance or trip protection. You'll I never really thought about that. But uh, now that I'm traveling with an elderly person overseas, I thought maybe I should think about the medical part of that. Exactly. And typically, with a robust policy of that type, it will have an eye-popping figure. It will provide up to $1 million coverage if you need uh, evacuation in a, a medical aircraft, of, you know, a helicopter that's a medical evacuation one or a medevac airplane you know, to fly somebody to a first world medical facility. And those are generally best purchased as an independent policy separate from anything the airline offers with the sale of their ticket. And there's a good website for you to go to to look for this stuff, David. It's called insuremytrip.com. Okay. Also, if you buy an airline ticket with American Express, they will have an option for an add-on coverage for uh, medevac and other facets of a medical event. And I don't know if you use American Express for your travel um, I do. This particular airline that I'm traveling with, they have a partnership with American Express, so it, um, I'm familiar with that, so I just need to look into that more, I guess. Yeah, so the the offering from American Express for a foreign trip may be a choice you should consider. And what I would do is I would compare it head-to-head with what you'll see in Insure My Trip. What Insure My Trip is a clearinghouse site that allows you to comparison shop and select from many different insurance companies so you can custom tailor the coverage you're buying to the issues you're most concerned with. Thank you very much. Got one other thing I want to tell you that that would be good for you to know. There are now a number of credit cards that include trip insurance if you buy an airline ticket or other forms of travel with their card that it's just an automatic benefit that comes with purchasing travel on that card at no cost. Thank you again. Sure. That is my favorite new benefit on credit cards as someone who travels almost every week is knowing that just by using the right card, I don't have to worry about the consequences of the cost in the event of some kind of medical event in my family. Lois is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Lois. How are you today? Well, fine, thank you, Clark. And how are you? Wonderful, thank you. You want to talk about your credit? Yes. Tell me. I wonder if it negatively impacts your credit rating if you cancel credit cards that are issued by department stores. That is a great question. So, store cards, if you have establish really solid credit with Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discover, then you don't need the store cards. And in fact, the store cards can be looked at as a negative. So give me your overall picture, Lois. What do you have credit-wise? We have two major credit cards. We don't have any debt. 
We paid the credit cards off in full every month. But I was lured into some local cards from department stores, and I actually don't use them, and I would really like to cancel them. I think our credit rating's in the low eights. We're retired. and um, Your credit score is in the have- low eights? The bank should be coming to <laughs> yeah. borrow money from you. <laughs> My husband said to tell you he's cheap. We have to pay those cards every month. No interest. Well, that is great. You know, the <laughs> banks refer to you if you have a credit score on the 850 scale at 801 or above, you are considered to be golden. Like just okay. the, the lowest risk potential borrower out there. And paying okay. your balances in full every month, that will specifically be an additional benefit to your score. So for you, okay. having the store cards is basically irrelevant. It doesn't okay. necessarily help you or hurt you if your score is as solid as you think it is. So I'd say do what you wish. Okay. How many of these okay. store cards do you have? Oh, I have like three. Okay. You know, if it were me, i just leave them be. You okay. know, you don't use them, just let them sit there. Well, it's interesting. I We had one card that we've had for over 20 years, and I just wasn't using it. And it had a, a credit limit of $15,000, and I got a letter from them saying, we canceled your card for lack of use had no warning i would have used it you know for something minor just to keep it active it's not that we needed that card but it was the longest one that we had ever had well but it'll stay in your credit mix for as long as another decade from when they decided to close it so that's not going to really affect you much either the most important factor for you is that you pay your bills on time obviously and that you use a small amount of your available credit If you have a score in the 800s, it means you're using only roughly 10% or less of your available credit. So just keep doing what you're doing. You're fine. Glenn is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Glenn. Hey, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you. You have discovered something applying for life insurance that gives you pause. I have. I've been recently in the market for some additional term life insurance and have found a well-known company and and a a policy quote that seems fair. Um, And so some of the documentation that they sent me to sign, one of those documents was called an authorization for release of personal health information, which I totally understand the need for that to allow or authorize all of my doctors to release my medical information to the insurer. That makes complete sense to me. But there is a clause in there that I'm wondering if this is common Um, And if I went to shop elsewhere, if I would find it there as well, but I'm not a fan of it. But it pretty much says any information that's disclosed under that authorization may no longer be covered by the privacy provisions of HIPAA and may be subject to redisclosure. And that does not sound great to me. And I'm I'm curious, is is that a standard clause that, that all insurance companies might have? Yes. Let me tell you why that clause is there. It is a standard practice in the insurance industry that they share information with competitors in the following scenario. If there's a reason why someone is denied for any kind of coverage, it is common that that information 
potentially could be shared with other insurers so that so that if you are turned down by one you don't say oh well i'll just go apply somewhere else they don't find what the first one did and you're granted insurance it's kind of like if you're familiar with the clue report is that something you've ever heard of i don't think it is so there's two databases there's one for homeowners insurance and one for auto insurance and if you ever make a claim under either your claim goes into an industry database where any other insurer you might apply to for auto or homeowner's insurance knows that you had this claim. Okay. So it's standard in the insurance industry that they share history of clients or even applicants with each other. And MIB, Medical Information Bureau, they do the same thing as Clue does for auto and homeowners, they do it for life and other insurance products. You can actually see your MIB report at MIB.com. All right, and I'm so glad the best part of your call is that you're buying life insurance (laughs) because it's the hardest thing I have to try to get people to do. People are frightfully uninsured or underinsured to provide for their survivors in the event of their untimely demise. Jim joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Jim. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Clark. Thanks for having me on. Sure. You want to talk about what you experienced when you went to a bank recently. That's correct. You advised me to go look for a line of credit rather than opening multiple accounts at a variety of different vendors. And when I got to the bank... The bank talked me out of the credit line saying they started at $50,000 and that it would be cheaper for me to get a credit card. They said, go get a credit card. But I have avoided credit cards like the plague, so I don't know. Well, actually, that's fine because if you're trying to handle cash flow for a business and buy services and products different places, using a credit card would be a fine way to do it and may be much less hassle than you'd have with opening a line of credit. Is there a particular card that would be the best to look for? I know American Express has been trying me to get me to take their card on, I don't know how many times, and I just keep uh, just throwing their, throwing their stuff away. Well, the answer to that question comes from this. Is your charge pattern going to be one where you're going to be using the credit card as a way to borrow money, or is just a payment Form and you'll pay the bill in full each month, or will you use it as a way to handle cash flow ups and downs and run a balance? I hopefully wouldn't run a run a, uh, run a balance, to be honest with you. To the best of my ability, I would pay it off monthly, but the companies I work with are typically they pay me within two weeks to 30 days, so they try to pay me within 30 days, and sometimes... Uh, there is a little bit of a cash flow crunch, and that was the reason for taking a look at this, so that I sure. could get a, you know, uh, stay ahead of the game. All right, because you're really talking about two different things, and I know this is weird, but you actually might be served better by having two different credit cards, because if you know you're laying money out, and it's for a vendor that tends to pay you very quickly, using a reward card where you would get cash back or you get miles or free hotel stays or free gasoline or whatever the reward would be that you'd be interested in would be great 
when you know you're going to net money back from the vendor quick enough to pay the bill in full. On the other hand, if you know there are people who tend to pay more slowly and you might end up having to carry a balance, there are credit cards available now that charge extremely low interest rates in the range of 7 8% right in there. And so it would be much better for you when you're running a balance to use a card that has an extremely low rate. The problem with reward cards is reward cards tend to have extremely high interest rates when you are carrying a balance. So that's a twist is two cards, not one. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show where you learn ways to keep more of what you make. Okay, this is funny. On ClarkDeals.com, which is our bargain site, we curate the what's called the center aisle deals, the non-food deals at Aldi each week. And we tell you what things they're having. And it is an intensely popular update we give every week on what Aldi's got going at Clark Deals. It's shocking how many people are really into those deals. But Aldi principally is a supermarket that pivots with the time. They are redoing every store in the country and dressing them up to look like a place that's not drab, not depressing, which Aldi's traditionally have been. Joel and Kim live in a similar neighborhood and both shop at an Aldi that kind of looks like something they probably had in the old Soviet Union. It's pretty depressing with, uh, you know, with the, with the fluorescent lights and the low ceiling, and, but the prices are great. Why are you looking at me like that, Kim? Because I don't think it's any more depressing than any grocery store. Grocery stores always have fluorescent lights in or No, they, they've dressed up a lot over the years. And, right. and you would not mistake an Aldi, the Aldi in your neighborhood for a Whole Foods. No. No, 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 no. no. You no. would not. No. Agreed. But the new Aldi look with the bigger stores and the existing stores getting a bigger footprint of display space inside, higher ceilings, wonderful lighting, lots of glass. They're going after a different customer in addition to the customers they've had in the past and heavy emphasis on organics. So there was a report recently that compared something you might not normally think of comparing. And that was how much money a family would save over the course of a year shopping for items that Whole Foods sells at Aldi. And for a family, the retail consultant Flicklinger found that you would save between $3,500 and $5,500 a year buying the type of items you buy at Whole Foods, buying them instead at Aldi. So Kiplinger Personal Finance Magazine was like, come on, that can't possibly be true. So they went and shopped and across broad categories in Aldi, comparing the type of items you buy at Whole Foods, heavily organics, and comparing the prices of them versus buying at Aldi and not looking for sales or closeouts or anything like that and found that you reduce your cost 39% buying at Aldi versus buying at Whole Foods. Now, that fits in line with other things that have come out over time. And it is 
an amazing difference. And by the way, when they were doing family, I recalculated what it would be if you were one person going to shop or a couple. So you figure for your family size, figure you're going to save roughly a grand a year per person in your household shopping at Aldi instead of Whole Foods. Now, if you shop at a traditional supermarket, obviously whole paycheck is a lot more expensive than regular supermarkets. The savings won't be that large, but they'll still be gigantic. Kevin's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Kevin. Hi. Kevin, you want to talk about borrowing money against your home. Tell me. Uh, I'm out shopping for some equity to actually put on an addition on the house. And I'm looking at it from the standpoint of a home equity line of credit and a home equity loan. And I'm curious to know what is the pros and cons of each as it regards to your credit score. It's not a significant difference for your credit score between doing a home equity line and a home equity loan. Many times when you're doing an addition to your home, you want a home equity loan, which will be at a higher initial rate than a home equity line. And let me explain the reasons why. Home equity lines of credit go up exactly in tandem with increases that are put in place by the Federal Reserve. And so home equity lines of credit are going to be more volatile. You're in a loan product that really is for short-term needs, where a home equity loan gives you breathing space of 5, 10, or 15 years at a fixed rate. That brings me to a key question for you, Kevin. Sure. The money you borrow, how long will it take you to pay it back? I'm planning on five years. Well, then a home equity loan for five years would be ideal for you. Okay. Particularly credit unions do very favorable rates if you have good credit on five-year home equity loans. They can very easily quantify their interest rate risk, and the rates on a five-year cycle are far more favorable than on the 10 and way, way, way more favorable than on the 15. So I think okay. that would be the easy choice in your case. All right. That's what I need. And good luck with the job. Thank you very much. I hope that the contractor makes you happy. Pat's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Pat. Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. How are you doing? Oh, very well, thanks. Well, how can I serve you today? Well, I, uh, I had just wanted to... Thank you for your advice, both on the line and on the website, as to how to buy a car and not get hosed. Because the last time I bought a car, I didn't know any better. I had always bought cars from my cousin, who was a dealer. And then when I stopped buying that brand of car and switched to another, I didn't know any better. And I just went in and whatever the salesman says, okay, fine. Well, it's 11 years later, and this time I got a really sweet deal thanks to learning from you how to buy a car properly. Well, you were so sweet to give me some credit for it, but all the credit goes to you. You just needed the tools, and you were able to make it work. Tell me specifically, what things did you do that made the car buying process sweet for you? Well, I shopped online first. I, I got quotes. I think I started with Sam's Club, and then it was TrueCar that I used to get the emails with offers. 
And then I was a little leery about facing a dealer, but I thought I, my best deal came from someplace two hours away, and I thought maybe I can get one of the closer people to match that. So I actually went in and let the dealers try to work me over and, and presented that offer and said, you know, can you match this? And one dealer said yes, but the other one tried to hose me on the uh, the price that he was offering for my trade-in. But I had looked on Edmonds and KBB and knew what was an appropriate offer, and I said, oh, no, uh, the other dealer was going to offer me 4000 you're only offering me 2500 So he caved on that, and then he tried to say, oh, we were willing to meet the deal from the out-of-town people, but we thought that was after the trade-in. And I said, oh, no, that they never saw my car. This was before the trade-in. So the fellow hemmed and hawed and came and went, and finally he caved. So I saved about $4,000. Isn't that fantastic? Yes, and especially someone, I'm not an especially assertive person, and I never played this game before, but I was so proud of myself for just pleasantly standing my ground. And, you know, the Sam's Club car buying program is one that a lot of people aren't aware of. And as you said, behind the scenes, the architecture is being done by TrueCar. And it is a great way for you to buy a car. In your case, you you didn't want to go the two hours, but you were able to leverage the information from Sam's Club. And yes. the result was you got to buy it locally and you saved a ton. Yes. And also, I didn't finance. I saved up and paid cash for it, so... No loan, no problem. <laughs> you are fantastic. Good job. Well, thank you. And thank you, as I said, for the information that helped me do this. Well, but you're giving me credit for what you made happen. So, <laughs> and, and who knows how many other people you're inspiring, Pat. So I'm grateful to you for taking the time to make the call. There are several methods. And by the way, when you, if you're a USAA member, and you buy a car through USAA, behind the scenes, the architecture there is also run by TrueCar. But just as with Sam's, there are certain things you get being a Sam's Club member buying a car through them. USAA, when you go to look at buying a car through them after you sign into your USAA portal, you'll see the multiple things that are available in addition for being a USAA member, in addition to the great price you get through the true car architecture. And it provides an environment where you don't have to negotiate if you go to one of the dealers that they were able to get the great price for you. Costco Wholesale, if it were a dealer, would potentially now be the largest car dealer in the United States. If not, they'd be the second largest. They now sell so many cars through their car buying program. And the whole idea of all these programs, like Pat talked about with getting the dealers you could get the special price from, is you don't have to worry about the drama or trauma. The whole car buying process is streamlined, simplified, and made to be something you don't have to dread. Josh is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Josh. Hey, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you. You have a child. How old's your child? She is six months tomorrow. Well, happy half-year birthday to her. What's her name? Lena. All right. Are we going to talk about Lena here? 
Yeah, yeah. Actually, um, I have actually recently, you know, started to focus on retirement and retirement accounts. And I actually wanted to take advantage of, you know, her age and the law of compound interest and see if I could open a retirement account for her. And then as she grows older, teach her how to actually put into that retirement account. You cannot. Um, I cannot. Okay. You cannot. Unless, Unless she is doing a job modeling for some company and she has earned income, until a child has earned income, they cannot have a retirement account. But you could open an investment account and if you put money in an index fund, the tax treatment of index funds is so favorable that you'd be able over many decades for her to accumulate a lot of money that would face extremely minimal tax each year. And then at the point that she would want to draw on the money, which would not have to be at retirement age, she would be able to do so and pay what at least by today's tax code is very favorable capital gains tax rates. Okay. That would be a way to do it. Now, does Lena seem to be brilliant, though? Uh, yeah, she's a pretty astute kid. I mean, she's doing everything pretty early. So if, and in your family, what are the odds that Lena goes to college? Given her mom, but it's pretty high, yeah. So an alternative that would get you some tax-free money for her would be if you did what's known as a 529 plan, which you could save money for college tax-free. If it's spent on college, it's spent tax-free. If it's not used for college, then the money can continue to accumulate tax-deferred, and way down the road, it would be taxed based on uh, her tax bracket, potentially, and a 10% penalty. So it's not nearly as favorable a tax environment if she didn't go to college, but much more favorable if she did than doing an investment account. So I would think about it, Josh. And So would you put the odds at 90% she's going to go to college? Yeah, pretty much. If it's that high and you were putting money aside for her at six months, I'd look at my 529 plan guide at Clark.com, put money in there, and let it grow tax-free. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Mark, you're taking a road trip with the most precious of family members. That's right. That's my wife's small dogs. And don't Um, come in between you and your wife's small dog. You know better than that, right? That's correct. That's correct. That's why I called him my wife's small dog. <laughs> I love them. 
I love them too, but not nearly as much as my wife does. <laughs> Understood. Um, so I want to thank you first, Clark, for taking my call. And my wife and I would actually like to take a trip, a car trip uh, across the United States and probably southern Canada. Is there an easy way we can find some pet-friendly hotels that we can find while we're on the road? There are multiple sources now where you can find pet-friendly hotels. And so it's become so much easier than it was even just a few years ago. And I'll hit you with some of them. You may have seen one or more of these. Petswelcome.com. Okay. Bringfido.com. F-I-D-O.com. And of the major booking sites, travel booking sites, Expedia does the most thorough of any I've seen in helping you sort out and filter just hotels that are pet-friendly. Great. Now, let me tell you something that's not so pet-friendly. A lot of hotels that will allow you to bring a pet charge extremely high pet deposits. And the pet deposits can be actually higher than what your room rate is. But as long as the pet doesn't cause a problem in the room... You get that deposit back when you check out. But I've stayed in enough hotels. I can tell you a lot of times the carpet will be stained, carpet will be torn, bedspread will be, you know, worn out or whatever. When you get to a hotel room, take pictures thoroughly of anything that's not perfect so that if later they try to claim that your wife's little dogs did whatever it is that's wrong with the hotel room or worn out, you can say, uh-uh, okay. here's the pictures when we checked in. Okay, that'd be helpful. So you're going to be on your wife's best side now that you figured all this out, aren't you? That, that's right. She said we can only go on the trips if she can bring along a dog. So that's a rate-limiting factor here. So, so you're going to uh, be fine. They're going to be places all over that will accept her little dogs. And one other thing. If you target in on a hotel and it's pet friendly and all that, you know, you can take your pet, go to TripAdvisor and there will be a thing when a hotel's pet friendly, there will be a button where you can read what reviews people have said about the experience of having a pet at that particular hotel. Because it's not enough that they say your pet can come. It's also, are they really, truly pet friendly? Yes. And that's why I like TripAdvisor for that information so very much. But, Mark, you've lost the ability to get hotel rooms the extra cheap Clark way because there's no way when you do the blind bid sites you can know if you can bring your pet. So not going to save as much money as I do. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.